Hi, best friends. Aviv here. We have a little bit of a different kind of episode for you this week. Lindsay had oral surgery this week. She had her wisdom teeth removed, and so she was all jacked up and was not able to record nor research her episode. So we're bringing you something a little special. A little over a year ago, I was a guest on the amazing Pick a Disc podcast, and I talked with host Matt about one of my all-time favorite records, You're My Lover Now by a band called The Teeth. Get it? So today we are bringing you that episode in its entirety. Please enjoy Lyrics for Lunch presents Pick a Disc, You Are My Lover Now by The Teeth. We'll be back next week with a regularly scheduled episode. Thank you. We made this. Okay, this has been a while. I've managed to give myself quite a few weeks break from doing stuff to the podcast in terms of recording and researching. It's just the social media I've been doing, so I'll give myself a break from recording and editing, and I've completely forgotten how everything works. I know that my name is Matthew Latham, I know that this podcast is called Pick a Disc, and I think this is a podcast where people pick a disc to talk about for whatever reason they want to, but don't quote me on that. This might be a podcast that, I don't know discovers ice cream flavors and then just shows and just shares this brand new flavor of ice cream and thinking about it why don't this why doesn't this podcast just be about that um yeah so this is pick an ice cream flavor so this is what happens when i decide to take a about a month off of doing things um but yes i'm matt this is pick a disc and as usual if i remember how the podcast works someone comes on to talk about an album and the person coming on to talk about an album today is Aviv Rubenstein from the Lyrics for Lunch podcast and he's going to be talking about the teeth you're my lover now and as usual we talk about all the things do we talk about on the podcast about an album songs blah 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 the live aspect etc and just like how discovering those weird like those the way you discover music just like how affects you and stuff and it's, it's, it's a good conversation um i think aviv's bloody hilarious so i had to cut off well I had to cut out quite a lot of me laughing at him um of what he said not laughing at him um just laughing because of what he said i i, I think he's incredibly hilarious guy um so yes um so i wasn't laughing laughing at him i need to make that abundantly clear but um yeah anyway i'm looking at the clock and i've been going on a bit too long uh than i usually do for this bit so this is the so i'm going to do the usual spiels you know follow us on instagram twitter facebook under pick a disc there's the discord link where if you want to come on and just talk about music or just share what you've been listening to join the discord uh thingy um, we made this have a patreon that you can sign up to get episodes of like at the moment it's episodes of like movie podcasts early but you said but you're supporting the whole of the network and as as usual if, you, if there's a place to review us opinion fraud and just lie and say that this podcast is good so that more people can lie about it being good as well and with that i think that's everything all ticked off and it's time for me to stop yapping at myself and to start yapping towards aviv so here's aviv talking about the teeth 
I think I covered most of the east coast of the US. I'm now gradually getting a dent into the le- the west coast. So yes, indeed. So um, I've got an, another uh, another Calif- well California based guest with me today, and it's Aviv Rubenstein from the uh, Lyrics for Lunch podcast. How are you doing, Aviv? I'm waving because that's that's good for podcasts. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm re- I'm really good. I'm I'm quite enjoying the. We were, we were just talking before recording about the uh, about the fact that England seems to be in the middle of a heat wave. In that, yes. basically, basically, people were moaning about a week and a half ago about it raining all the time, and it being cold for May, and now we're moaning about it being too warm. <laughs> so it's yeah, uh, it's it's a pi- picturesque 74 degrees fahrenheit here i don't know what that is in centigrade cuz i uh, am a stupid american <laughs> it's around mid 20s in cent- in like cal- celsius i think which yeah I, I i i don't know what the thing is i just it's i, I, I don't know what the, i don't know how you can hey translate I, it there's probably some people listening here going I, it's warm and yeah, I lived in Cambodia for a while and they did everything in in Celsius and I and I could do it in my head. I could do the conversion, but I've have since forgotten it. <laughs> it is what it is, but um it's it's bloody warm. That's what I was <laughs> Bloody warm. Bloody warm. Yeah, but um but yeah, so as much as again as I said previously as much as the Brit in me would love to talk about the weather for an hour, we're not here to talk mm-hmm. about the weather. No, no. We're here to talk about a band and it's a band that Aviva's picked to talk about yes. and it's one of these episodes where I can't cheat and just read off Wikipedia Wikipedia no, or or just basically nick it all nick all the annotations from Genius, which I obviously have not done in the past, even though I might have confessed mm-hmm. to it several times. Uh Aviv, why don't you tell the listeners the disc that you've picked for today so i've picked a band uh, i've picked a disc called you're my lover now by a band called the teeth and they are not a super famous band i we actually had a conversation about like how esoteric is is allowed to go on this show because this is a band that i've been kind of proselytizing about for more than a decade because they're not nearly as famous as they should be and so this is one of my all-time top five favorite albums as um i am much a big fan a fan of like um just discovering bands or um again it's not not a case of like i always i feel like i'm every time i seem to talk about this i always feel like you're setting yourself to saying like a real pretentious ass but um as i quite like the idea of discovering bands on your own and like mm-hmm. it's not not a case of deliberately looking for obscure stuff but just finding stuff and it's 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 a, it's a longer conversation about um the benefits and stuff of like that but i, I think just today yeah, my, my, f- the day my friends always my friends always make fun of me because the bands I still seem to listen to are like, the story is like, I saw them in a basement in a warehouse in New Jersey in t- 2006 and they only released <laughs> one record and it was on a, a tilted whirl. And, um, yeah, so I, I have this kind of, I form these weird, strong attachments to bands that I've only seen or, or heard once that no one else seems to know. So I'm right there with you. Like the, 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 the only, the only album was about 30 copies with a piece of paper, paper envelope. Right. Oh, and it's on a mark, it's a blank CDR with the Philips Lager one and a, C, and a pen <laughs> this, written on that. This album came out in 2007 and there was like a, there was like a fad between 2007 and 2010, let's say, of bands not burning CDs anymore, but like selling thumb drives with the MP3s of their music <laughs> on it. <laughs> I, mean, I think at that point, I think it would have been cheaper, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, I definitely yeah. bought a, bought a band thumb drive the band was called kill you in the face and i bought their thumb drive when i played with them in boston in 2009 yeah i think um just on the day of recording i appeared on the 
I my guest spot on the over underrated podcast. Um, I talk about my underrated pick was a like a Manchester band, which was like a lot of people, quite a few people I never heard of, and uh, and like I was saying, like oh, they should have been really bigger, should have been really bigger and stuff. And I remember suggesting it, and they're like, oh, okay, I don't think we've ever heard of these, which is a, uh, um, but it was quite nice to be able to introduce. This like band, like these like these bands to people. So, which is what yeah. you're doing with me today with the um, with I'm the very teeth. excited. Yes, yeah. so love the teeth. The teeth. You're my lover now. Um, yes. Yeah. The amount of, I I was trying to sketch how many how many how much mileage I can get by the jokes I can say by saying you're my lover now. But um, I ran out after like one. But yeah. um, why it's just that picked? one joke over yeah. and over again? Yeah. Guys, yeah. <laughs> yes, you're my lover now. I mean the, the album, not the. Um, so why have you picked you're the lover now? Um, so I think I, I mentioned this kind of briefly, but this band was poised to just be like massively successful. Rolling Stone was calling them like a band to watch and they were hitting right at like the indie rock revival of the mid two thousands, like a la maybe vampire weekend or something like that. And all of a sudden out of nowhere in 2008, they just like broke up and, with had they kind of whatever stuck it out and and gotten past whatever differences made them break up i think that they would they would be in the same conversation as like multi-platinum selling artists like vampire weekend or um oh jesus what's the what's the name of that band they did bits of orca uh fuck god damn it oh can i curse on this show (laughs) yeah feel free yeah (laughs) cool fuck um what is that band called i gotta google it now hold on they sang Temecula Sunrise, Temecula Sunrise, and the guitarist, Math Ro- Dirty Projectors. Uh, so they'd be in the same conversation as Vampire Weekend or the Dirty Projectors or other kind of cool, mathy indie rock bands. Um, how did you discover the teeth? So this is, this is kind of a interesting story. I, I, uh, grew up in Philadelphia and I went to school in Boston and at Boston University. And I, um, listened to the Philadelphia indie rock radio station, which had switched only to online by that point. But I listened at, at work online and, um, they played so one when, of the teeth's singles. So, yeah. So when was this? Sorry. I- Oh, sorry. Yeah, this was the summer of 07. So You're My Lover Now had like just come out or was about to come out. I heard the I heard the song for the first time and I liked it, but I really fell in love with the band because of another band that I was a huge fan of, a Boston-based band called Bishop Allen. And I had gone to see Bishop Allen play at a club in Boston called the Middle East and the teeth opened up and I had like I was like kind of familiar with them from hearing them on WXPN which is that Philadelphia radio station but um saw them and was just completely and totally blown away and then kind of chatted to them after their set between the sets let them know that I I too was from Philly we kind of knew some of the same people and they hung out with us for the rest of the show and wound up actually crashing at my apartment that night because <laughs> they needed a place to sleep. Okay, so you got either get the um, album pretty much from that. that yes. Night, the, so, so yeah, the, they played a bunch of songs. It was one of the best performances I'd ever seen, and I got the all their albums after that and was, uh, was a, a, an evangelist for them. <laughs> and that was in 2007 so yeah summer of 07 so um this was this the first album of theirs you actually listened to then yeah the first song um that i heard was the ball of the ball of the dead rat 
which is a song on this album, but I had misread the title probably for like close to a decade and <laughs> thought it was Ballad of the Dead Rat. Um, and then it's only it was only recently, like within the last couple of years that I was like, no, it just says ball, ball <laughs> of a dead rat. Oh, right. <laughs> so shows my I've got great attention to detail. Let me tell you. So what was it? So what was it that drew you into them then? So like, was it what was it just was it the live performance? Was it the same? Was it just or was it just one of those? It was it that feeling that I think anyone who goes to gigs goes now when you suddenly click. It was definitely part that feeling. Yeah. Um, but th- I like, I think, can we like paint a picture of the way like rock and roll was in 2007? Yeah, right. Because yeah. we had, we had the kind of super crest of the wave of emo with like my chemical romance and fallout boy and, um, panic at the disco. And we also had this kind of indie rock thing happening with like not very quote unquote ballsy guitars, kind of like clean guitars playing complicated, not even riff, but like comp- complicated finger patterns like and math. singing about like, yeah, Matthew math, singing yeah, about yeah. like being in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And so this. I and I liked kind of everything, but this felt like adding some energy that I felt was missing from some of the indie rock. It this added a lot of energy to that, and it gave me the. You ever hear a song that makes you feel like the inside of your own head? That someone has like externalized the inside of your own head. So yeah, that's what the, this album made me feel. For the benefit of the for the benefit of the tape, I am actually nodding. I was just like nodding <laughs> yes. with an expression of going yes. Yes, a yeah. hundred times, yes. Yeah, I've had several times where you suddenly, you click, yeah, I'm going to click and think, oh, hang on, this is it, this is in my head. How did they, how, how right. on earth did they break in? <laughs> and it's not even like, a. I mean, part of it is lyrically, but the other part is just like kind of the energy with which they're playing the music and kind of the, the, the style and tone that the song has. You're like, oh, this is the soundtrack to like, maybe some of the thoughts that I don't always want to have, or certain parts of myself that I don't like or that kind of thing. Like it makes, you know, the best music at its best makes you feel less alone. And this is, that's what this did for me. For those who don't know who, um, the teeth are, the teeth were a, RIP. a it always, so it always throws me, um, whenever I see, uh, Wikipedia articles for American bands, because I can never get, I never can click with how, um, Oh yeah. We pluralize, right? Oh no, you, you sing, you put it in the singular. So it's like the teeth we, is. The teeth. Yeah. What? Yeah. Right. Was, the teeth yeah. was. Yeah. We'll say the Rolling Stones. Was. It depends. No. Cause we say the Rolling Stones were or are because it's pl- a plural word stones. Yeah. But like, um, what's a singular? But ACDC is, but the Rolling Stones are. It's always, thro- it always throws me because ACDC are a, a group of people. It's like, like you wouldn't say Manchester mm-hmm. United is a team. It's weird. Anyway, oh, we <laughs> would say Manchester United as a team. I, I yeah, I, can't, I my, my head, I my head, <laughs> I can't get my head around that. Um, we don't speak the language well, no. <laughs> so like, don't don't listen to what we're doing. Yeah, it's like okay, the the teeth was slash were an indie rock band from Philadelphia, consisting of twin brothers Aaron Mo Davis on rhythm guitar and Peter Mo Davis on bass guitar. Other members include included Brian Ashby on lead guitar and Jonas. I, I was still Jonas. Jonas, I know his name is Jonas on drums. Um, they were crazy. Yeah. 
They were formed in 2001 when the Mo Davis brothers moved to Philadelphia and have since arisen to prominence in the Philadelphia area and have reached a cool status throughout the rest of the United States. I have a feeling that this first paragraph was written in different stages of their... Uh, Correct. Yeah. So it of, was of, the present tense their... before they broke up <laughs> and then they past yeah. tensified it. Yeah. It's um yeah so like yeah, I think it, I think it says something where it seems like the the teeth Wikipedia entry doesn't feel like it's actually been copyrighted to be fully in the past tense yet but right. um yeah yeah so they were so they were a band that were based in Philadelphia so they were kind of hometown heroes from where you grew up mm-hmm. so um and and so there's another band from Philadelphia well there's a bunch of bands from Philadelphia but there's another band from Philadelphia that that um were kind of sister bands with the teeth called Doctor Dog which wound up being much more notorious and they got big and famous and they skew a little bit more like jam bandy or like kind of hippie-ish um but they the teeth and dr dog did a split ep when they were first coming up um and they actually like reference each other in some of their songs which is cool and fun okay okay and um the album itself you're the loving it loving now was the third album by them and it was released on the 29th of may in 2007 Correct. And um, it was released on Park the Van and the producer. And for about 20 seconds, I got yeah. really excited. I got really excited after reading the name and realized I got the completely the wrong person because the producer's name is Nick Krill. I, not Nick Krill. Yeah, not Nick Krill, which I thought I was like, because I mean, for about 20 seconds, I was like, oh, hang on, isn't that? And then it took, it clicked for a minute. He goes, no, 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 I got the wrong vel, but. Um, but Nick Krill, the producer, actually, if you click on Ian's name on the Wikipedia article, it goes to uh, a new rock band, band the Spinter yeah. Band. So, uh, which was also like kind of Philadelphia area local. Um, but yeah, so funny, funny you should bring that up. Nick Kroll actually has like a a sketch about just being from Philadelphia, and he does a really fantastic Philadelphia accent, which is not an easy accent to do. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, um, I. I Unfortunately, I, I, I think there's a certain point I, I, I struggle to differentiate with. I mean, I, I mean, I've had this with like people who've spoken about British, British accents. I think certain points of the East Coast, people say, "Oh, I've got completely different accents," different accents, and I'm like, <laughs> just smiling yeah, and nodding I, and stuff. Yeah, I just I, I can hear from your accent that you're from the North. That's all I know. No, South. No, no. I fucked it up. Oh, I'm in the middle. <laughs> You're in the middle. Yeah, Birmingham's in the middle, so I'm Ozzy Osbourne and UB40. And well, I I am an idiot then. So clearly, I can't tell either. But the yeah, the Philadelphia accent is is very far from actual English. Um, <laughs> and we say things like "water" to mean water, and uh, anything that has an "str" like street, we would say street. Okay. A, we would put the shut in there. Um, if listeners watch Mayor of Easttown, that that takes place basically like where I grew up. Uh, okay, and for those and for those who want a better understanding of the accent of where I'm from, just watch Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders is definitely Birmingham based, so uh, <laughs> so it's uh, Cillian so Murphy. Not not the North. I I apologize. I uh, apologize to f- earnestly. To f- to be fair, like if you, you probably could have said that to anyone who's from the north, and I get offended because there's about a million different accents <laughs> from well, the north as well. <laughs> even even worse, and there's thirty miles there's thirty miles in between um, Liverpool and Manchester, and they sound completely different. So, uh, <laughs> you English man, oh, sh- yeah, we need to. We, we, 
we we, t- we try and get as much much mileage out of Asmore Island. But um, yeah, so okay, so you're my lover now. So we talk about the album briefly in general. Um, you, and you, you talked one of the things that jumped out to me uh, because. Oh, the bit where I used to talk about my disclosure of if I knew anything about the band. Um, it's a very short one this week. Sure. I hadn't heard nothing. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever heard of them was when you mentioned them um, before it was recording. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going in completely blank. So, yeah, and that's the bit on my spread, on my notes with the disclosure bit. Uh, but the, um, you're my lovely notes. So you talked, you talked about like, particularly in the 2007 time and stuff. My initial thoughts about it was that it feels, it's very, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, emblematic of the time as well. It's so, mm-hmm. there are parts where it sounds very 2007. And some of the names, 100%. That, yeah, some of the names of those bands that you mentioned as well, like My Chemical Romance, even Panic at the Disco and stuff. Um, you can, you can kind of see elements of all these different, like, bands and those different sounds all coming together to try and kind of like create this album. Like, you guys think, oh, like, you, 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 you Particularly in the first song where you sound, there's a, that like kind of piano sound, which sounds like it was coming from a Panic at the Disco album. Or then you've got kind yeah. of like, almost the Beach Boys-esque types later on and stuff. And yeah, it's kind of like an interesting mix of all these different sounds. It, it's weird because for like the emo scene, vocal purity was a real thing, right? Like the vocals were really clear. And sometimes you'd be like, a, like even Screamo would have a, like a rasp. But like, you know, Gerard Way's voice is is crystal perfectly clear. And like the Mo Davis brothers are just like sound like they've been gargling marbles the entire record. They're just like kind of barking the lyrics at times, which is is really interesting and kind of creates a different relationship with the audience. So uh, to prepare for this show, I listened to a bunch of episodes of Pick a Disc. Huge fan of the podcast. Oh, thank you. And in the My Chemical Romance episode, you had mentioned that you misheard a lyric from the Black Parade. Yes. That the actual lyric is, though you're dead and gone, believe me. But you heard cynical something else. Yeah, cynical. I am here to tell you that I did the exact same thing. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Vindication. I to this day, I found out that it wasn't cynical from your show. I I mean, I'm, I'm. yeah, I'm, I, 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 did, I, I mean, I put a quick poll on um, Instagram and only two people. Um, well, no, three people number, responded. <laughs> number four right here. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I also agree that cynical is better. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I once, so I, I play in a band and I once, um, had this happen to me where someone, a friend of mine kind of misheard one of the lyrics and said, Hey, is this the lyric of the song? And I said, well, it is now because it was an improvement <laughs> over what I had written. So like, yeah, you should write a letter to Gerard Way and be like, this is better. Yeah. You. I, I, you've got, you, you got your, you got your own song wrong, but um, yeah. yeah, no, it can, I, I, it changed, that changes that line. That, Completely. That line, yeah. It changes that. The word cynical is much more powerful, but anyway, so, um, yeah, so as, from that feeling of vindication, we're, we unfortunately <laughs> have to, we unfortunately have to go to the real reason we're here. Um, so yeah, so the album itself is again, it's like a c- combination of an interesting combination of all these different styles yeah. and sounds. And there's like a little bit of talking heads in there and clap your hands, say yeah, and a little, little bit of like Iggy Pop. And it's, it's such a weird mixture of things that create something so emblematic of the time. There's a couple of um, examples of it as we get to the songs specifically later on, but um, there are also 
there are parts where the lyrics seem to also try and capture the same things that you got in pop punk. Like there are so, some songs which nothing on this album sounds like Blink One Eight Two, but no. but there are songs in here which seem to want to cover similar kind of storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. in the same mold but in a very slightly different way as well so there's like a there's yeah. a specific song i'll point that out on a bit later but uh there's a, there's a couple of reviews that were on online and they kind of both the kind of couple of them that i picked up on kind of have that kind of same thing where it seems like a mesh of different um sounds and styles and stuff um there's one from pop matters which i'm going to read read out slightly a bit because mm-hmm. um the first part the first part's quite good the second part has I'll get your opinion on. I'll get your opinion on this in a second. So, <clears throat> sure. At times, the teeth sound like the Decemberists without the finishing school. Bell and Sebastian minus the Scottish Catholic school could reserve and modest mouth sounds crippling existential angst. If the best parts of your record collection somehow got mashed up together by Morrissey, John Lennon, and Joe Strummer, your the, my lover now will be the end result. That last sentence hasn't dated well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't dated well, but I get the I get the uh, I get the idea, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the particularly the mention of Morrissey and John Lennon, but um, but again, then again, I can kind of see the Smiths' influence. Um, mm-hmm. Who at the moment I'm referring to is Johnny Marr's band. Um, so oh, yeah, why so has uh, has Morrissey done anything problematic lately? I don't know. It's been about five minutes. I think he's. <laughs> Um, so he's, 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 he's not at having his mouth for a yawn yet, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but particularly, but particularly with like the Smith as well. I mean, I think there's one of the songs, which is a blatant reference. There is a light that always goes out. Yeah. That, the, that light always goes out, which is a, there is a light that always goes out and that, that, that can't possibly be here. Yeah. No, that is, that is <laughs> likely not a, uh, a coincidence. coincidence. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it's not. So it's not, um, it's not exactly a, it doesn't seem to be just like, yeah, it's something that's been picked up by quite a few people, but it's like a nice, uh, collection of stuff. And I mean, there are kind of, I, I quite like albums that like that because then it's, it feels like more either bespoke for the band themselves. So, mm-hmm. and like you can, so you can listen to something think goes, Oh, so you like that band and you like those elements of it. So we'll take those elements of that band and we'll take elements of that band. We'll pull it into the melting pot. We'll cook it and see what comes out and stuff. And it kind of and- works. I think all art does that to an extent, and I and I respect bands that are transparent about it. You know, mm. um, like transparent in their references and transparent in even like referencing previous songs on the record, which we'll talk about when we get to the song part. But um, yeah, it's like it's interesting because to me it feels very unique. Uh, you can nothing can be very unique. Uh, it it sounds unique to the teeth. It is the teeth's sound. Mm-hmm. And yet I do also hear all the influences. So it's not like they just regurgitated these bands that are influencing them. They kind of, they melted it down and they created something new to my ear, at least. Yeah. Um, a close analog that I can think of is, um, a previous episode, a previous on the previous episode, which hasn't aired yet. Um, at the time of recording actually. So the closest analog, I can think of is what we talked about in a previous episode, which is the Wolf Alice album, My Love is mm-hmm. Cool. Um, again, one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, one of the big things with that is that that's another album which seems to take so many different genres together and more melds them in. So you got like an album with so many different things, yet they have a unique identity in that you can still tell they are, it's a Wolf Alice song. Right. Um, and you, I, I get, I get this 
and get that feeling with this as well, where like you can probably you can probably listen to this and you could tell it's like, oh, it's the tape. It's not. It's not a. It's not some Morrissey yes. cover band. Or, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and I, I again, I I do quite like that kind of when a band can have that. Yeah. So I can kind of see how people are thinking, oh, could get really excited about these, um, about this band and. Because they seem to be doing more, like morphing things together in a way that I think Wolf Alice was doing with kind of like shoegaze grunge, almost right. like pop, which I also fans. love. Oh, of course, of course, it's it's a given. Um, <laughs> everyone loves shoegaze grunge. Yes, um, they. I, I also want to point out that this album is thirty eight minutes and four seconds long, which is the exact right length of an album. Mm-hmm. Like th- between thirty seven and thirty eight minutes is is the length of a- any album should be because that's the length of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I mean, I, my perfect length is like between like thir- between thirty and thirty five. I might push it at forty, but uh, yeah. So um, it's the song. It's the it's the song length that gets me as as long term as sure. this goes well. And and as in thirty eight minutes, there's fourteen tracks, and so none of the songs. Are stupidly long either so that's a good right, big yeah. thumbs up from me so uh yeah the longest song is about what three minutes and three minutes and 20 seconds yeah yeah there's like quite a lot of s- s- songs that don't reach three minutes which again ticks so many boxes so it's uh <laughs> so there's no kind of long epics on this but um it mean and it'll, it mean i think it well my friend is what it means it kind of keep things interesting so the songs don't overstay their welcome so they can kind of experiment and tweet 100 percent. yeah i think the best thing that a song can do is make you want to go back and listen to it again immediately yeah exactly and then like and like sometimes if you listen to it again you'll have some songs on some albums where the time you listen to a song twice one song is finished off another album stuff i i i think we should also mention that t-rex is a huge influence on this sound too Oh, okay. Oh, with the kind of like 70s glam. Mm-hmm. It's like aspect. proto-glam because it's not super overproduced like a, you know, like a Foxy Shazam or something. Mm-hmm. But it's it's uh, it feels like, you know, those weirdo half jazz, half rock and roll songs that T-Rex was doing. Oh, okay. I never picked up on that. But thinking about it, because I, I was picking, I picked up quite a lot of 60s surf vibe and a few things. Mm-hmm. But I didn't pick up the glam. No, yeah, actually, that makes sense, actually, particularly with some of the... Because, like, they do some quite interesting sounds with some of the piano stuff on a few of the songs. Yeah. So, um, okay. Before we talk about the songs, before we talk about the songs as well, um, something that I keep meaning to ask certain guests and probably keep forgetting to ask them. Um, so, you're a songwriter yourself with your I am, um, band, yeah. who whose album I have listened to, and I'm going to... Oh, you've listened to our record? Um, yeah, and I'm going to... I, I'm, and I'm suddenly blanking on the name of your band. I'm so sorry. So we're called Jacob the Horse, and our. And oh, I was going to call. I was just about. To, I was thankfully. I was about to say my horse Jacob, but <laughs> close enough. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We're called Jacob the Horse, and we just released an album called College Party Mixtape Volume One. Yeah. Um. So was so was this a bit of does this has this influenced you in terms of songwriting and? Yeah. Abs. Absolutely. And like weirdly like deconstruction of certain parts of the song. So there's a song called The Coolest Kid in School that has a background vocal that just has the the background singers going do 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 do. And so I like wrote a song in 2009 that had that little background thing. And there's like a recurring motif in a couple songs. Um 
a, a melodic motif that I like stole for a different one of the songs. But um, interestingly enough, the that record, College Party Mixtape Volume One, is a autobiographical record that kind of takes. I, I like went to explore unfinished songs or or rewrite old songs from from when I was like seventeen up until now. I'm thirty five, and um, and so like some of the songs were written in the era where I was like blatantly ripping off the teeth. And, uh, and so, yeah, they, they are a huge inspiration. Also, um, in terms of arrangement, they're a huge inspiration. So like the way that this is produced is super interesting because the guitars are not super distorted. They're panned super hard left and right. And in certain songs, they do this like call and response with their, with their riffs or with their chords that, is is adds this amazing texture to listening to the record and also gives me a sense i know that this is like a false thing that i'm about to say but it gives me a sense of the two twin brothers you know like going back and forth but one of the brothers was the bassist so like that's not actually true but it just (laughs) feels like twins going back and forth but isn't actually played by the twins okay i mean one of um one of the things in music that draws me to some of my favorite bands is I'm a fan of tag team vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the sounds of it, this might be an album that has tag team guitar parts. <laughs> yeah. When you think of this album, which songs jump out to you and which ones do you want to? So I, I list, re-listened to this album in its entirety this morning to like kind of spruce up. But when you say you're my lover now, I hear the first piano thing in Molly Make Him Pay, which is the first record. Like it, like compulsively in my head, I hear those piano plunks. And I'm assuming that, assuming like because it, because of the whole album as well, is like if you start hearing that star beat, it's like a case. Yeah, we've got to listen to the whole album now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also like it's just such a strong opening. It's so such a good energetic opening track that like like lets you know that you're in for this weird. It's like a quasi concept album. I think all the songs are are kind of centered around the same person, whether she exists or not. I don't know. Um. But yeah, Molly Making Pay is just such a such a good song, and the whole song itself tells a, a, an interesting story. Yeah, um, I think one of the, I think one of the things that jumped out again was the the piano that opens that opened the album. Yeah, and it reminded me so much of like, like particularly earlier Panic in the Disco, mm-hmm. um, and there's that and there's that kind of like almost like a sense of that show tune piano, mm-hmm. like a stage show element to it, like a torch song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, and like, like I, I was half expecting Brendan Urie to <laughs> suddenly start singing, but um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's, it's a, it was very, it's a very good um, opening song. Um, it's got that kind of like interesting hook of why do you care that yeah works quite and, well. <laughs> and going, so there's two things I want to say. Going into the second verse before the lyrics start. You just, I also, I can't tell who's singing because the, they have two lead singers. They do do tandem vocals, but they're the twins. And so you cannot tell when they're switching. Okay. Um, Cause they have the same voice, but, uh, going into the second verse before the lyrics start, one of the twins just barks. He goes, Ugh! and I just <laughs> yes. like, I fucking, I love that. That's just like it, it, it kicks me into overdrive. And there is this kind of circus era sort of 
there's this this circus themes thing happening in Philadelphia in the music scene at the time because um, around this time like Man Man is also happening and this band called Make Arising which my friend Nick was in and even Dr. Dog they're all kind of embracing this weird theatricality that this song this song uh, over any other song on the record super does yeah it kind of has that kind of like show feel to it so like there's mm-hmm. a performance a performative aspect to it which i think works okay and, I think- and also toward the end of the song so the song is like all in minor all all the time and then at the at very end there's this like extra part that doesn't feel like the re- part of the rest of the song and the the lyrics are just for one day the world turns to you but don't look away tomorrow flowers bloom and on bloom everything resolves in the major and it feels like you have been tense like your spine has been tensed up this entire you know three minute song and then finally you can you know the clouds can part and the sun can come out yeah yeah um and i think and just to go for and just to briefly talk about the lyrics, um, as mm-hmm. I've always said, I'm a lyrics guy and your podcast is about lyrics as well. Yes. Um, so in terms of the actual story of the song, it's, it seems to be, I, I, I think it's like almost like, almost like a positive song in terms of like trying to pick up, trying to cheer someone up or trying. Yeah. It seems, it seems like the singer is talking to Molly and Molly has an abusive boyfriend that she's trying to break free from. Yeah. Yeah, and again, that last that, that last kind of quartet you were talking about, just for one day the world turns to you, but don't look away, tomorrow flows bloom, is considering it, considering it has a sound of, it sounds like, um, of like the kind of emo popish sound mm-hmm. that you have where you can kind of, you kind of expect it to be uh, negative, uh, kind of be negative. It's actually quite a, a positive note to end the song on. So uh, yeah, I mean it's got to it's got to invoke like the sun will come out tomorrow, right? Yeah, and I, I do quite like I quite like to hear that in okay part of any of the stuff. So so um, what song uh, what song do you want to talk about next? Oh man, so before the show started, you're like we can't talk about every song, <laughs> but I want to just run. I'll run through a couple real fast. So the top the top four, five, six, seven. Yeah, like the first seven songs on this 14 song record are all under three minutes and just like banger after banger after banger. Um, so I think Trumpets Blared and Shoulder Blade, which are the next two songs are absolutely amazing and, um, but have the same kind of manic energy. And then mm-hmm. A Fight in the Dark is this like weird doo-wop song. So I'd love to talk about A Fight in the Dark. Yeah, definitely. If you're not, if if, if, it's, if you're going to skip over Plumpets, Trumpets Blade, I will say men- briefly mention that there's two things I had down for that. Uh, one, I quite like how it seems to be about it seems to be as seems to be about um, people drinking or getting more rowdy and stuff. And I do appreciate that. I think in the second or third verse, there are added elements which make we start to make the actual guitars and the arrangements sound slightly. Off. sloppier yeah, yeah. So as if like they are playing as if they're getting drunk as they are playing the song and stuff um which and- is entirely possible um and and also if we if we are going to talk about trumpets blared so the song's called trumpets blared and it starts with a guitar riff but like to me when i hear that guitar riff i hear a trumpet playing it right so there's like an instrument as another instrument sort of thing which is interesting 
Yeah, there's also there's also like particularly nothing that's again funny in the second or third verse. These the kind of really weird either either they're, I can't tell if they're actual trumpets or just really synth sounds that make it supposed to sound like them. But they're kind of like these weird sounds that go in the background. And as sometimes as sometimes in the preparation of this, I'll either put on albums where I'm either um, doing kind of mundane tasks like DIY or washing up or like cutting the grass or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes I particular sometimes I have found that I can basically take control of the Spotify app on my PS4. Oh, sure. So a couple of days ago, a couple of days ago, I was pretty much playing Red Dead Redemption 2 whilst listening to this. And that's, there are, that's an interesting uh, combination. Yes. For sure, yeah. Yeah, but there are, but there are moments and because it overwrite, it removes the music layer from any game you're playing and replace it with this, but it keeps the sound effects. And I think pretty much I pretty much got killed, killed and died in uh, Red Dead Two, and there's always this kind of like low kind of inception <laughs> sound, which works with the song for sure. Yeah, so this, so that started pl- that started going through it, and I couldn't. And it was during this song, and it turns out I kind of somehow timed it that that, that sound that the game makes and the oh, sounds from that. I had a few times I had to pause the game just to make sure that that the sound <laughs> and this what what the sound was coming from, and it shocked me that. At one time, the same is coming from the song, and that's how I picked up that sound. So, uh, oh, that's fun. yeah. So it's a yeah. So if you ever want an interesting um, soundtrack, uh, pairing, to robbing yeah. a <laughs> robbing a train on a horse. Um, yeah. So fight in the dark is really cool. So that's the fourth tra- shoulder blades. Also awesome. They're all awesome. But a fight in the dark t- takes it down, and, and is this um, this duop song in the middle of this weird pop record? Yeah. There's. Because what I found quite interesting with this as well is that again, the there's quite like nice stuff going on in the background. Like um, I'm a big fan of violins, and you can kind of hear quite a lot of those. Mm-hmm. It's either violins or it might be string again. I'm, I'm I if I get the instruments wrong, I'm completely sorry. Um, but it sounds like violins anyway. But there's some nice string, like kind of like a single string arrangement going on in the background. Um, which kind of adds yeah, to Yeah, uh, some of it is some of it is like synth and some of it is voices and some of it is actual strings. So, I'm being quite fun and it do, it does like kind of like stop which kind of like stopping your track and stuff and it makes you change that it's not track 3 because usually it's when they throw in the uh the, the slow yeah. song. <laughs> um so I just want to point out some of the lyrics in A Fight in the Dark yeah. which is the couplet the skin on that nose is beginning to peel. You think you're his umbrella but you're his Ferris wheel. And they're like, that's so, I don't even know what the fuck that means, but I know it means like something I've thought about it for 11, 12 years. Just like, what could that, there's so many interpretations of that, but it's like, none of them are good. <laughs> yeah. It's going to begin to peel. You think you're his umbrella. You're his Ferris wheel. So you think that you are protecting him, but, he only gets on you when he wants a ride question mark or i don't know uh i the i think like thinking about it if you've got the umbrella which is shielding from anything that's going on high whereas ferris wheels the 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 function of a ferris wheel is to take you as high as the ferris wheel can go and push you up in front so right i don't know it might again it could be the case that um could be a case that instead of uh, instead of you, instead of you, uh, 
the person you're being, exposed as opposed to protected yeah so instead it's like, or you're not actually protecting him he's he's putting you he's like using you as a human yeah. shield but then for, like i think it's just it's an interest i think it's an, just i think it's just an interesting visual to say that instead of protecting he's he'll put he'll pull you in front of him if like uh, someone had a gun or something i also like that this the 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 songwriters don't like show their work in this they don't like go on to elaborate on on this metaphor they're just like this is this is the situation make of it what you will yeah it's like there's almost like a first draft element to Mm -hmm. it like going uh do we do we make this more elaborate now so it will keep it fuck it yeah (laughs) yeah so we'll keep it that way and stuff but no that's quite uh no that's an interesting video when you think about it yeah, uh, yeah, and so. I'd also love to talk about your feelings on life, which which has this weird kind of shuffle punk uh, drum beat that that feels like the inside of my brain sometimes. But there is a moment, like lyrically, melody wise, where Peter Mo Davis sings, "I know that I haven't been honest. I've been drinking more than just twice a week," and then in. F- funny and it's not funny which is seven tracks later he repeats that melodic line where he goes and i saw that little bird laying there he was miles and miles away and so like bringing back one melodic line seven songs later on the record to make you feel like these things are tied like that this whole thing is cohesive is like just such a such a great kind of frizzen feeling it's so rewarding as like one of the closers of the record Oh, okay. I didn't. I I never caught that. That's okay. I've listened uh, to this like 150 times, and that's also the the melodic line that I stole for one of my songs, which is <laughs> why I uh, definitely know that it's there. So you're feeling on life, which um, you're feeling on life. Um, I I actually quite like that one as well. This, Me too. There are kind of like, again. This is the one that I put in my notes that it's saying so much like 2007. Um, yes, and it's it's quite simplistic in terms of its lyrics but again i quite like that and there's that kind of guitar solo which in it which um is kind of like very kind of landfill indie in terms of ways but i I that also feels like a first draft yeah like they're like well we're half of these notes are wrong but like fuck it yes exactly yes but yeah i i quite quite i quite like the uh i like that bit as well so um any any others that you want to mention oh tons um (laughs) Hang on one second. Uh, so I got I navigated the way. So then, so um, Ball of a Dead Rat is great. Is super fucking weird, like dark Beach Boys. Um, and I think the la- I think the quintessential song on the record is "It's Not Funny," and it's the longest song on the record. And at three nineteen, it's still like shorter than you know the perfect yeah. pop song length or whatever but it's it's just such a good kind of all-around wrap-up to the album yeah um we'll get back to ball of dead rat in a second and there's something i want to bring up with that but um but with, uh, it's not funny there's i quite like how it kind of nearly goes shambolic in its nature but then because quite a few my uh quite a few albums i quite like kind of go into this kind of like almost feedbacky shambolic mm-hmm. like noise bit um but then what i found quite interesting with this and with this is that it somehow manages to there's also like a an audio lasso of a melody which kind of starts playing after this after it nearly gets out of control and somehow manages to make it all sound, seem like it's part of a melody and it, I, I, I really quite appreciate, appreciate how, that, how well that sounded. 
Yeah, and and I think that that is kind of an echo of Molly making pay, right? Because Molly making pay is this weird, out of control circus, and then it resolves in this nice, optimistic major chord. And this kind of does the same thing, where it it becomes this this mess where he's like not even singing anymore. He's just like he's just like saying things, um, and then they have this kind of chant of bones grow hair grows rain falls rain falls that's enough and it feels like this kind of we're we're landing this in a in not quite a mess yeah going back slightly to um ball of the dead rat mm-hmm. um, and not ball of the dead rat but uh um, well jury's still out <laughs> yes yeah so um but the what if it does randomly I discovered there was a I found a article from 2019 um, on uh, noise the hard noise, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, which the, is the um, hard hard drive non satirical hard drive site, the hard times dot nets. Yeah, hard times. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, the, um, the title Spotify discovered weekly algorithm sent millions of listeners to this small broken up band, and. Uh, and it's the it's the only art it's the only article on this, but um, there's like this article about the fact that for some reason um, Ball of the Dead Rats starting to appear randomly in a bunch of different Spotify Weekly. I don't actually know how random it is because Park the Van re-released the vinyl of You're My Lover Now in 2019, oh, and so okay. so this might have been like coinciding with that, but like. Yeah, Spotify is a is a mystery to me. So, like, who the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just like I mean, because if you look at the play, the play numbers on those songs and stuff, there is um, your feeling on life is the only one that's in six figures. All right. the others are between from thirty two thousand to about ninety thousand. Then suddenly, ball of dead rats, two and a half million. Right. Yeah, I, I truly have no idea. Other than the song is like awesome i truly have no idea why this like that one latched on to people it was their their first single on the record in 2007 and it's got just some of the most amazingly delivered lyrics in of all time um which is in the second verse he goes so the i i i, I could talk about just this one verse for forever but we have the first part of the first verse which is just Aaron Mo Davis singing. And then he goes, and you don't want to be alone. And then you've got your cigarettes and on cigarettes, there's a harmony, right? So the music is reacting to the lyrics because you don't want to be alone. You've got your cigarettes and your cigarettes are singing along with you. And then he goes, you've got your juju fruits. And it's just, it makes me laugh every fucking time. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, <laughs> Um, and again, yeah. So um, this is probably the only song on the album which has genius annotations, and it's probably mm. because of the um, the popularity, of, like, yeah, popularity mm. of it. But you got your cigarettes and you got your uh, Julie fruits. That's annotated. You click onto that. Um, <laughs> the genius annotation. <laughs> sure. Yeah. This as a yeah. Actually, there's quite a lot of genius annotations. The genius annotation for those two lines because it's shared. Two contributors. The person the singer writes about has two indulgences, cigarettes and gummy candies, specifically Julie Fruits. And that's so, it. 
so there's actually there's actually a citation on I mean like 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 I found an article that confirms that which yeah. is a day trotter interview from June 4th 2007 and so because the band is called the teeth the day trotter people which is owned by paste now um at the first question was when was the last time you were at the dentist <laughs> and and Aaron says my teeth are, are very nice Recently, they told me they were going to fall out when I'm older because I eat candy and I smoke cigarettes. <laughs> so, like, we have confirmation that he smokes cigarettes and potentially eats juji fruits. Wow. <laughs> so Double ge- confirmed. Wow. So the genius annotation is really ne- needs to be fleshed out on that one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because he's pretty much just reiterating the line. But um, I just find that quite... But, yeah, now it's... Um, I, I mean... I, that probably makes sense then if it was actually re um re reverb that there is some kind of some kind of evidence to, to support that they smoke yeah but i think we take you said with the reissue, reissue that's it the reissue of, oh yeah uh, yeah yeah of the of the album on vinyl um that probably makes sense then if they are kind of trying to push the thing and stuff but yeah the i'm also really fascinated by the fact that they're twins and so the after juji fruits the line is you can't stand yourself so you take a substitute and in my own kind of head canon that is referring to like taking one twin over the other twin because <laughs> like that's oh. the truest substitute okay are they, are they identical then uh I, I don't actually know i didn't ask them when i met them but um Peter has dark hair and Aaron at the time had lighter hair. So I'm not sure if they're identical, but I know that they're twins. Okay. Okay. And say the YouTube comments on some of these as well is like, uh, first one was like, first heard this on my Spotify discover playlist this week. Excellent tune. Uh, yeah. Quite a few, uh, people saying about finding it on Spotify weekly. So that's interesting. That's interesting. Then again, though, it is kind of one of the things that I'm not much a fan of on YouTube comments where people say, oh, here from so-and-so, here from so-and-so. Yeah, someone, yeah, yeah someone referred me here from this place. Yeah, yeah. got this from TikTok. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then you get suddenly have someone saying, goes, so here, here before, here before people who say they're from TikTok. Eh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. I just Relax. need so to stop. We, we truly know that I was there first because I saw them and let them sleep on my couch. Yes. <laughs> uh, that, that's when you just suddenly come into the YouTube comments saying they slept on my couch and then walk yeah. Um before we move on to before we move on briefly to quickly the reception of it um, the songs that I made reference to beforehand about the one that was oh, almost, yeah. almost like Blink Right 2 in its themes of teenage angst and stuff um, is You're My Lover Now where oh really yeah because the I was re- particularly like about 15 minutes before we started recording, I was doing like a last minute skips just to, just to double check on the, on stuff. And the, the, the lyrics on this one, it's, it feels like it's a 15 year old writing them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean that negatively. I mean, it seems to manage to capture a voice. It's this angst. Yeah. Yeah. And like stupid girl stumbling down the stairs, pumpkin pie dress and paper in her hair is like, Pumpkin pie dress, like, once again, it's one of those metaphors that, like, doesn't make sense at all and yet makes perfect sense. This is also a song where the singer just barks before starting the <laughs> But, yeah, and, but, like, the, cor- the chorus says, oh, I don't care about anything because you're my lover now. No, I don't care about anything because you're my lover now. It's like the single one-track-minded, um, like, kind of, like, teenager, ooh, girlfriend. And that's, like, yeah. everyone else is void and stuff. And then it's, like, this weird... Then, like, the verse 2 has that, why is your shadow always big up on that wall? How can we never come look for me when I call? 
I would, I would, blah, blah, blah. It's, it, there's, there's, there's like, yeah. there's like that, um, immediately from that immediate kind of like million different conflicting things that like 15 year old boys will have in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just seems to, that kind of like automatic, automatic, like kind of like questioning of every single thing it just seems, it just, it's, it has that kind of like teenage, it just reminds me of that kind of teenage narrative. Yeah. It reminds me of, like getting into a fight in the parking lot of a warehouse in in like <laughs> West Philadelphia in like 2005. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, but there's like um yeah, I just quite like how it seems to capture a, a voice of teenage voice and stuff where which I think is very the same themes that are done by as I said, like like Big Mike too. Um the reason I I say that is because I think they're still fresh in my head from like recording uh, previous episode <laughs> a while ago now, but the mm-hmm. but I quite yeah, and whilst then that data seems to capture an actual voice, I, I do quite like how this seems to feel like it's written by the person of that age and stuff, and um, yeah, I I, re- I quite really appreciate it how much that that paid off quite well. Yeah, I I I like all the songs on the re- I I just love this record so much, and I think yeah, it does it. It, it captures this kind of immediacy of emotion and griminess that the Philadelphia music scene had at the time where like everything was in a basement or a warehouse and everyone was too drunk to play, but not too drunk to fight. And yeah, it's it really is ti- like time travel to me. Um, so, yeah. So briefly talking about the reception of the album. So this is quite favorable reviews. Uh, so all music gave it four out of five. Dallas Observer gave it a favorable. Um, sample filter magazine, 90, 91 over 100. Um, pretty much in the high, in the highs of, of them. Uh, Time Out New York gave it four out of four, six, six stars, which doesn't really make sense in terms yeah. of a number of stars, but sure. But yeah. So, um, so it's a bit, Generally, favorite to be good, um, and which is pretty good considering then it turned out to be their last album. But uh, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I mean, uh, do you remember much about if there, much about any reception at the time? Or yeah, I think that people were were really thinking that this was going to be the next big band in the indie world, and they were kind of shoulder to shoulder with bands like Doctor Dog, who released Fate, which was their super breakthrough album on in 2008 and the war on drugs which was also just kind of coming up in philly at the time as well um oh yeah yeah so funny story after they broke up i had tickets to see them open for another band and because they had broken up war on drugs replaced them oh right yeah (laughs) okay so um so how did how did because you briefly mentioned before we started recording that you found out they broke up. Yes, in online. a strange way online. So, so, hey. so, um, for for those elder millennials, there used to be a website called Daytrotter, which would do live music sessions and allow them for download. And so, the Teeth did too. And I highly, highly, highly recommend getting those sessions either from YouTube or you can sign up at Paste 
com pace magazine.com and, and download them because that captures some of the live live show energy but they had i know that they had recorded a session at south by southwest and i was waiting for it to come out and so i went to day trotter the day it was supposed to come out which was now that i'm looking at it april 11th 2008 and the title of the article was no 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 and so i just want to read a little bit of kind of the truest obituary of the teeth um and it was written by doesn't say anymore which is kind of shitty but um it was written by someone from day trotter so this letter proudly open for all to see was going to start at and start and end with three dozen exclamations of don't do it don't do it don't do it don't 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 do it I was going, it was going to start with fierce anger in all capital letters and gradually mellow into a slow absorption of the reality and a conclusion that little said here can change what you went through that led you to break up two weeks ago, blindsiding all of us. These days of mourning were never supposed to bear down on us. These April showers that have been flooding basements and including sluggishness in the blue and white and no collared workers all over this great nation of ours are not precisely for the forthcoming may flowers boys no sirs they say when it thunders it means that god's bowling will weed concur these days if you hear the invisibility around you bellowing with an impeding downpour it's god throwing a goddamn tantrum a hissy fit because the teeth you guys were not just the people's band four guys to share their sweaty stink of all the goodies from their fanny packs oh sweaty stink all the goodies from their fanny packs their smokes their beer clicking cheers their youth and their riveting songs about stupid ass girls and the boys that still long for them you were the big man's band it's not it's no religious connotation, just a flagrant fact that some higher creation puts you four men together to comprise the wiliest, most inventive, and shakingest live rock and roll band that this green earth has ever had the privilege of claiming. And it goes on from, that's about a third of it. It goes on from there as just a true direct obituary for the teeth. And so I read that the day that their day trotter session came out, not knowing that they had broken up. And I just cried at work because they, even though they had only released a couple of records and an EP, the, the, this, this writer is correct. There is something about them that made everyone who loved them feel less alone and that was maybe unfair to put on them as people who were barely out of their teens let's say they're like in their mid-20s at the time that like but that's the weird thing about art right is that like once it's out in the world it's no longer the artists it's like all of ours and so knowing in that moment and being you know 22 or whatever and knowing that i would never hear a new teeth song really broke me up it's oh, really well written super well written yeah yeah. i highly recommend you you go into paste and every everyone listening going to paste music.com and um and reading the rest of it because it's it's fantastic and while you're at it listen to their songs i'd have to give that one a check and check that one out but um yeah yeah so it's i mean yeah it's a shame you have to find it that way but again it's pretty well written um well written a way of like finding that finding that out i mean ideally yeah. i ideally probably would have just said oh yeah they, 
ideally you probably want to see the opposite of <laughs> what it's about. But um, so yeah, I know I, I we now know that the answer to this, but um, it's the bit where you say, "Have you ever seen them live?" Which you so have. I saw them. <laughs> I saw them live once, and they I bought tickets to see them again, and so they owe me a fucking show. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Yes, still waiting um, to hear. And I, I was fortunate enough, I made a, a movie, I'm a filmmaker, I made a movie, a short film in 2011 and contacted them through Facebook or Twitter or something asking permission to use one of their songs in the movie and they allowed me. So that's nice. Ah, okay, that's nice. Yeah. Nice. So, um, yeah, so so you saw them live once and the it, that just basically made you fall in love with them. So mm-hmm. this is their, so this is, this is their final, their final album, correct? Mm-hmm. So, if people want to venture into any of their previous stuff, where would you recommend them going? So yeah, I would start with I would start with this and then go to the EP Carry the Wood, which is also it feels like a a, a brother to to this record. It's got amazing amazing tunes and a and a great hidden track. And then their first album is called Send My Regards to the Sunshine, which was released 5 years before this album and it is it sounds different. It's a little bit more mathy, it's a little bit more jazzy. I don't want to say that they're finding their sound still, but it just is a different. It sounds a little different, but it's still good. I was revisiting that today um cuz I I know that album way less than I know this one. But that's oh, okay. it. That's and 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 truly, I cannot recommend highly enough. Maybe even start with the Day Trotter sessions because they are totally manic. Okay, I'll have to check out the Day Trotter sessions. Yeah, yeah I've been interested to see how it translates live. So yeah, definitely say that. So yeah, we're coming up to the end of our conversation, and we're here for the important question, the important bit, which is the song for the Hall of Hall of Fame playlist. Where for people who have not listened to the show before, what this is is I'll ask Aviv to pick one song from the album to be immortalized forever on the um on the Spotify Hall of Fame, um and yeah, so uh I can't I can't veto it. I've got no say on. I, I can't deny his choice, um, and this will be following. Uh, this will be following the Gaslight Anthem. So, ah, love the Gaslight Anthem. So, which song are you going to pick that will follow Mulholland Drive by Gaslight I Anthem? Ga- I, I got to do. It's not funny. Um, by the teeth, the thirteenth track off of You're My Lover Now. Yeah, which I know that you don't like long songs. This is the longest song in the record. It's three minutes and nineteen seconds. Hey, if every long song was three minutes and ninety seconds, I would never have the I never have the concept of the lay no, than no limit. No more gripes. <laughs> yeah, or well, the concept of the lay than limit, which is what uh, John Porrible referred to as the as my uh, when when does a song reach the lay than limit? When does it get too long? So uh, yeah, I think just like be be forced, like Bohemian Rhapsody, just be four different songs. Yeah, see, Bohemian Rhapsody is one of the ones, rare ones that I don't mind listening to. I think it depends on the actual song itself, but um, so yeah, so um, it's not funny joins the pantheon and is the 67th song to go onto the onto Wahoo. the playlist so yeah so and i think with that we are now at the end of our conversation and yes and the end of the episode and the last thing we're gonna do is like um people want to find you and listen to your podcast or your music where can they find you Yes, yeah, so I host a podcast with my good friend Lindsay Tucker. It's called Lyrics for Lunch and it's a deep dive analysis onto some of the more famous songs from 
music history. We won't be doing the teeth, unfortunately, um, but we've done the likes of Fuck the Police and Respect, and we just wrapped Toto's Africa this morning. Um, and, spoiler alert, not great. Um, <laughs> it's probably and, after <laughs> and yeah, this will this will air before after our our episodes. And um and you can find us at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to listen to my music, blatantly ripped off from the Teeth and other bands from Philadelphia, you can find us uh Jacob the Horse on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, I can't recommend uh, Lyrics for Lunch. Um, so it's quickly become quickly become a uh, must listen when it first comes out. I mean, at the time of recording, there's only about eight episodes on, and it's. It's quite rare to hear a podcast that feels fully formed very early on. So, like, whereas, like, episode three sounded like episode 33. Mm. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment. If you're a fan of this podcast, if you're a fan of things like The Dollop or You're Wrong About, we just do that with music. Fully recommend, I can't recommend Lewis Flinch enough. Um, and thank you so much. I had a, I had a great time on this podcast. I'm sure Lindsay would love to come on here as well to talk about something less esoteric than the teeth. <laughs> yeah, invitations always open, and um, awesome. hopefully to get hopefully chat to in the future about it. So, yeah. so yeah, again, thank you ever so much for coming on and talking to me about the teeth. Ah, hell yeah! Thank you for letting me spout out spout off about one of my favorite bands that no one's ever heard of. You've been listening to Pick a Disc, and I've been your host Matthew Laver. Our theme music is Pump by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Pick a Disc is hosted by the We Made This Podcast Network, and you can find them on www.spreaker.com slash user slash We Made This. You can find the Pick a Disc show site on www.spreaker.com slash show slash Pick a Disc. You can find us on all the usual social media type places like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, under Pick a Disc. And you can find Lyrics for Lunch at all the normal places, lyricsforlunch.com, where you can support the show, Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter, and drop us a line. Let us know what you want to hear us destroy for you next time. So, until then, I'm Avi Rubenstein, flying solo this week, saying, take care of your teeth, guys.
Girl. 